Hi, it's John Paul, Triple H Car Doctor. We have an interesting program for today. First off, we're going to be talking to Stu Fole. He is the Director of GM Global Product Development, and he's going to be telling us about a new program that GM is doing to help protect first and second responders when going out electric vehicle crash. Uh, so we're going to be talking with him, and a little bit later on in the program, we're going to be talking to the Vice President of the New England Motor Press Association, uh, Cliff Atia. We've had Cliff on the program before, and him and I are actually going to discuss the New England Motor Press Association Winter Vehicle Awards, which ones won, why they won. It'll be a good program, so stay tuned. Well, I think it's no surprise that we're seeing more and more electric vehicles on the road. And there is some concern about electric vehicle safety, especially when they get into a crash. What is GM doing about it and how are, how are they kind of sharing the information? Yeah, that's a great question, John Paul. We're actually, um, we've, we've been really committed to the first responder community in a lot of ways, uh, constantly through our, our outreach of OnStar. we Every call that comes in OnStar in an emergency situation goes to 911. So we've built a really strong relationship that way. Um, but when we launched the Chevy Volt uh, just over 13 years about now, uh, we recognized a need as this new technology was coming in to get out into the communities and train first responders. Uh, and we see a revised need for that now. So what we're doing is launching a roadshow going around the country meeting with firefighters, police, uh, tow truck drivers, second responders, as they are called, uh, having a conversation, doing some training courses. It is a accredited course. So um, people who come out and do this training will get uh, actual continued learning credit for it as well. And the goal of the training, there are about a million, million plus first responders, uh, we believe around the country is to familiarize them with, with all of this new technology. You know, and when you get down to the basics, it all isn't all that different. A gasoline vehicle has a tank full of fuel lines that bring the fuel up to the engine. An EV has a large battery and wires that bring the energy to the motors. Uh, so in either situation, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't want to cut into um, a lot of the approach is actually similar because the routing of those types of things is really similar from a gas engine vehicle to an electric vehicle. So a lot of this is working with first responders so that they are comfortable and com confident. Uh, we're showing them some of the new components, like some of the emergency cutoff switches that actually isolate the battery from the rest of the vehicle automatically in a crash. Um, and training them on some best practices, they need to think about that there are some spots where where how they approach an accident is a little different as well. Yeah, yeah. I think really when you look at a crash and you look at what happens and we think electricity, we think electric vehicles, some electric vehicles have insanely high voltages, you know, 700, 800 volts. Uh, and people may have a concern whether it's, you know, a crash that happens out in front of your house, you run out there with a hose and water and electricity, you know, people don't think it's a good mix. But in fact, you do fight some of these uh, battery fires with water, right? That's exactly right. That is a, a misconception is that you can't, that you may get electrocuted if you uh, spray an electric vehicle with water. And that's where all of the benefits come into play of those emergency cutoff switches, the 
isolation of the battery that goes into the engineering from the very beginning. Uh, an electric car battery is not like your lamp at home that is grounded. All of these components are very isolated um, and, and locked away to themselves. So in fact, uh, the opposite is true. Instead of no water, you need more water to address a electric vehicle fire. It takes, uh, in, in a lot of instances, more water than a gas fire um, to put out. But there are some really um, important best practices, again, that we're training these first responders on to make sure that they are spraying the water at the source of the fire to make sure that they're putting out the fire as quickly as possible. And there are some things that you can do, like um, some of the firefighters refer to it as making a hot tub. They'll break a window and fill the cabin floor of the vehicle with water because the battery is under the cabin floor. So that the quickest way to get to it is, is put water right on top of it and, and fill it up and, and let it sit there. Well, you brought up a good point. You said get to the source of the fire. Uh, you know, some people might think, well, um, looking at the fire and maybe the the motor compartment is on fire, but the fire actually originated at the battery pack. So like you said, turn turn the car into a hot tub, so to speak, and and flood that battery as well. And we're seeing we're seeing electric vehicles everywhere, including uh, I was talking to the fire department one day and they said there's even concerns about electric bicycles these days about, you know, what what can happen and people need to be aware that um, that you wouldn't put a motorcycle in your house, but you might put an electric bicycle in your house thinking it's okay to do that. So you have to, you have to remember these are, these are uh, vehicles that are powered by an energy source and, and that really makes a lot of the difference. How is GM um, sharing the information? And as importantly, how has the reaction been from the emergency responders that have seen some of this information? Yeah, great question, John Paul. So we're sharing the information. Uh, we have an, a website, EV, sorry, gmevfirstrespondertraining.com, where first responders can go to express their interest in the training um, and see a little bit of access to, to some of that. Um, there are also uh, kits available to all first responders that, that are readily available out there of paper documents that they can put in their rigs as they're going to different accidents um, that have graphical designs of where the high voltage components in each and every vehicle are. So a GMC Hummer EV is different than a Chevrolet Bolt EV. And we have paper documents that, that these first responders are able to download and have with them in their vehicles at all times. Our training, uh, that we are doing is about a four-hour classroom-based course. We've partnered with the Illinois Fire Service Institute, that are the only state-funded, nonprofit, accredited uh, service group in the United States. So they've been a really strong partner to us. Um, and we've just started this tour here in our uh, home community of Southeast Michigan. We did a lot of training at the end of June. Next week, we'll be moving to the other side of Michigan to the Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids area before we do a big loop all around the east half of the country. So we'll be heading to Texas next. And then throughout the end of the year, uh, the schedule's still being shaped, but we're working our way up the eastern seaboard in the second half of the year to do this training as well. And there are some classroom-based pieces of it, 
but we also have some demonstrations for these uh, these first responders as well. We have a Hummer EV that we're bringing around with us um, that our, our training partners at the IFSI uh, cut the doors off of and showed some of the ways that a Jaws of Life tool still continues to work the same way it always has. Uh, we have some of the components that are important and will need to be familiar to first responders. Like I said, the uh, emergency cutoff switches that operate automatically inside of the battery. We're just showing those to them so that they can see um, the thought and engineering put into protecting everyone approaching the vehicle ahead of time. And our partners at the IFSI are there to have a dialogue and, and answer those questions that uh, first responders may have and help us make sure that this is really not just a General Motors initiative, but a conversation about the entire industry as well. That's a really good point. Like you said, it's not just a General Motors initiative. And even though I think if you look at the numbers today, electric vehicles are starting to approach maybe 5% of the vehicle population, but there's an awful lot of plug-in hybrids and hybrid vehicles that use lithium-ion batteries, which are the batteries that that most of the emergency responders are concerned about. So although people might say there's not that many electric cars, there is a lot of lithium ion batteries out there in the, in the driving community, right? That's right. There's a lot of commonality between um, a lot of the plug-in hybrids now as well, electrified vehicles as we're calling them versus fully electric vehicles. The, a lot of the components are the same and a lot of the work being done to commonize um, signs of, of what first responders need to look out for is happening across both types of vehicles as well. So uh, anything marked in bright orange under the hood or inside of the vehicle, underneath the vehicle is a high voltage component. And we're training people to just look out for anything that's orange as uh, something you should stay away from. Absolutely. Which is really a pretty nice progress from uh, in the past, you may not be able to tell a, a gas line from a brake line, um, but the the industry is really banding together to do a lot of really great work here. Yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. It sounds very similar to uh, as airbags started to get popular and the emergency responders were concerned, and then once they learned that airbag wiring was yellow, and that was something that well, okay, we'll stay away from that or we won't do this because we're concerned about our personal safety and airbag deployment. Very similar thing with the electric vehicle. Um, power supplies, like you said, if it's orange, you handle it differently. But as you pointed out, it is orange versus a plastic or steel fuel line that could be a brake line. And you don't know what it is. It could be a transmission line. You don't know what it is. So it brings that aspect of safety that much more forward to protect our first responders that are out there and our secondary responders as well, as well that may be towing that vehicle to a storage yard and maybe that fire re reignites again. So there's a lot of there's a lot involved with this. And again, one, uh, one more time where people can find out more information, maybe sign up for this, look for the program as it's coming to their area. Where do they go again? Sure. And you make a really good point about the, the second responders as well. Two things that we're teaching them, park the uh, damaged vehicle 50 feet away from anything else in the tow yard and keep an eye on it for a couple of days. And also making sure that EVs are towed on flatbeds versus a pull behind uh, tow truck because 
regenerative braking can send energy back into a battery that may be damaged and we don't want to do that as well so uh, gm ev first responder training Dot com is our website to learn more and express interest in this training coming to your community as well. Well, Stu, thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us on the Car Doctor program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, John Paul. Very interesting information from Stu and General Motors. I want to thank them for joining us on the Car Doctor program. And as promised, coming up next, we're talking with Cliff Atia. Cliff Atia is a pretty well-known guy in the automotive industry. You can see his videos on car gurus. You can read him. Just Google his name. You'll find all kinds of different stories he's written. And Cliff and I are going to be talking about the official winter vehicle of New England, which the awards were just handed out. Hi, I'm John Paul, the president of the New England Motor Press Association and AAA's Car Doctor. And it's that time of year again where we think about who really makes the best cars that suit New England. And for many, many, many years now, we've had something called the official winter vehicle of New England. And people say, well, why official winter vehicle? Well, pretty simple. New England is known for a lot of things. It's known for lobsters. It's known for baked beans. It's known for its, known for its sports programs, but it's also known for winter. And over the years, we have decided that we should recognize vehicles that do a really good job in the wintertime. And with me today is Cliff Atia. He is the vice president of the New England Motor Press Association. And Cliff, it's that time where we start to recognize these winners. And we had, as we do always, we had quite a few in the subcategories. And we had our top three picks of SUVs, sedans, and pickup trucks. Why don't we start by uh, a, a kind of a new category, uh, whether you call it a winter vehicle or not, or just an interesting New England vehicle, is an electric vehicle, and uh, it's it's really it's really a bit unique. The Kia EV6. Um, what do you think of that vehicle? The EV6 I think works really well in the winter, not just in the summertime. Uh, when I actually tested one, there was a ton of snow and Kia on that vehicle has a feature called winter mode and it actively, it actively uh, helps condition the battery pack to keep it at a more constant state of charge. Plus it has a heat pump for the heater, which unlike a resistive heater doesn't use electric filaments so it's actually using a lot less energy from the battery to warm the cabin. And so those two things we haven't really seen on a lot of other EVs, including luxury EVs. So to me and a lot of other folks at NEMPA, I think that was a big reason why the EV6 won that category. And it had, it had really good range too, right? It was, uh, it was right up there with a the vehicle that you could drive probably 90% of the time, right? Yeah. I mean, the range did suffer, of course, like any, any yep. EV, but the fact that it does have those extra features, because you just, you need that in the winter and the heat actually blew very well. So I was very impressed with it. So you weren't chilly? Not at all. No, yeah. some gas powered vehicles, as you know, could take, you know, half an hour, sometimes 20 minutes is how yep. it feels to properly heat up the cabin. But some of these EVs are unexpectedly good. Yeah, they, they really are. Kind of moving on to the next category, one that we, we sort of joke about with the name a little bit, but it also really kind of drives home the point, the people mover category. And that was the Toyota Sienna. And uh, 
I, I kind of think I remember back to some of their early advertising and they weren't, weren't really trying to market it as a minivan. I think they were trying to market it as a second home, um, you know, because of the comfort and convenience. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and uh, all wheel drive, which makes it very unique in that category. Yeah, certainly. And as a, the new one, it has all hybrid powertrains. So that I think that also helps the appeal. Yeah, it, it really does. And I think that is a vehicle, if you're looking for a vehicle to move people around, you're looking to, you know, head up to ski country in the winter, you just need to bring the kids to school in bad weather, you need to be able to get to work, having that ability to have that all wheel drive system, I think makes a really big difference. And kind of a perennial favorite here in New England is um, the Subaru Outback, and we have jokingly referred to that as the state mm. bird of New England because it wins the category every single time. Now, it doesn't necessarily win the top category every single time, but it wins its subcategory. And for most people, the Subaru Outback does just about everything right. Yeah, it does. I, it's easy to make fun of Subaru just because a lot of times they're slow. They're slow to come out with, you know, the best, highest tech features. But at its core, they build cars that New England drivers especially want. They're roomy. They're reliable. They're great on gas. Like they're so easy to see out of. They're so rugged. You can really throw these cars through anything and they just don't break. They're, they're amazing. So as much as I'd like to try to knock them down. I can't. I like yeah. Subarus. And, and, <laughs> and with over eight inches of ground clearance, which is yeah. more than some SUVs, um, it's not unusual to see an Outback with kayaks on the roof, bikes in the back, camping gear jammed in it, and a family of four in it, and they're happily on their way going to whatever their favorite camping spot is. They're pretty amazing vehicles, and, and they, they, do, they do just kind of a, a great job all the way around. Um, Let's go up to spending some money. We'll spend your money, not mine. But in the full-size SUV category, um, Cadillac Escalade just aced the votes with this. Um, we don't see GM all the time in our in our winners category, but the Cadillac Escalade, everyone fell in love with this. Now, you were at winter vehicle testing. We, we kind of uh, sequester ourselves in February and kind of get together and... Uh, what were some of the comments you heard from people about the Escalade because it did so well in the voting? I think mainly, of course, it's just the size, but we're all used to that by now with an Escalade. But the interior is really what drove it over the edge. The wide expanse of screens filling almost the entire cabin. You have the gorgeous wood trim. And of course, it, uh, the vehicle we had had Super Cruise, which is that full hands-free driving assistant that you can use on Mark Highways. And so... All of that combined, it's just a pretty impressive truck that makes it significantly different than the Tahoe and the Yukon vehicles that it's also based on. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And you mentioned Super Cruise. Super Cruise is pretty unique because it does a really good job of monitoring the driver, too. So if you are trying to let Super Cruise do a little bit too much. It tells you no, no, no. You're, you're not. You're not. We're not ready yeah. to take. We're not ready to go to full automation at this point. So again, really nice vehicle, mm -hmm. and no big surprise in like the next two categories, um, the midsize and compact SUV category, kind of in that premium edition. Um, five years ago, nobody knew what Genesis was. Um, now Genesis just sort of every time you turn around. Uh, they're winning awards and their vehicles are, are 
Hyundai based in a lot of cases, but they really added these premium features with the with the GV70 and the GV80. Uh, we'll kind of kind of group them together, but really well done vehicles, weren't they? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they. I mean, they just did such a good job, and kind of will will kind of move down the the financial ladder a bit. Although not that much when you really think about it. Uh, what's the the average transaction price now for an SUV is up in the mid fifty thousand dollar range, I guess. So uh, uh-huh. to me, to me, all of these seem like luxury vehicles. But again, in that full size category, similar to the Escalade, the Ford Expedition. Uh, Big, big truck, carries lots of people, tows really well, um, just does a good job, right? Yeah, and I haven't not driven entirely the new one with the refresh, and that's what we've had. But everyone who who has driven it has noticed the improved interior and especially also the turbocharged V6, which is honestly, I've driven it in other Ford products, and it's just, it pulls just as hard as a V8. doesn't necessarily get better fuel economy, but the idea that you can have a smaller engine pulling that giant vehicle, it's very impressive dynamically for a large SUV, just like the Escalade, it drives better <laughs> than you think yeah. it does. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and if you didn't know, and you pointed out, if you didn't know any better, you know, you, you'd open the hood and start to count spark plugs because you're yeah. like, this has to has it this has to have a V8 under the hood. And you mentioned fuel economy. Does it get better fuel economy than a V8? Um, depending on how you drive it, if you drive it nice and easy, I think it does pretty well. I have a neighbor with uh, the similar engine and a pickup truck, and he had a V8 Ford pickup truck prior. When he towed his trailer, it would his mileage would drop down to ten miles per gallon, maybe. And That's with the right. and with the new turbocharged V6, he's getting about twenty percent better fuel economy. Still, you know, thirteen miles per gallon isn't anything great. But, but it, that's a big but, jump when you're telling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, better, better than that. A vehicle, another vehicle that I haven't driven, um, that did really well was the Jeep Grand Cherokee L. So um, one of the things that always kind of, I guess, maybe in some way, hurt Jeep a little bit was the Cherokee and the and the and the Grand Cherokee for that matter. Um, lack of a third row seat, but the uh, the that kind of went away with this Grand Cherokee L, right? Yeah, I think that's what people had wanted for a long time since the Commander was discontinued many years ago, and the L is just big enough, but not not too big like the uh, Grand Wagoneers, which are yeah. also on our awards list. So it's like the perfect kind of size, and it's very popular. Right, and in the uh, smaller category, uh, something again that. You know, history, I guess, proves out how good a vehicle it is. The, the Wrangler, the plain old Jeep Wrangler, and and which you've been a big fan of Wranglers since uh, you were in your early 20s, right? I always enjoyed them. I, I I know what they are, and most people do, right? They, you just can't expect too much from it. It's a basic bare bones truck. It's, you know, it's not particularly safe. It's not <laughs> nimble at all, but people love it because of the adventure it has and the fact that there's real capability in there. And just like some of these other vehicles like Subaru Outback, the resale value is incredible. And that's, I think, something New England Yankees are particularly appreciate. They want a good value, and that definitely has it. And you got to be able to do the Jeep wave, right? Yeah, it's like that. Really, yeah, really yeah. quick. Yeah, real quick. It's going to be really quick. And uh, a vehicle that um, did really well, too, was the Bronco Sport. So the smaller version of the Bronco. And a lot of people, when the Bronco first came out, 
were a little bit confused. They're like Bronco, Bronco Sport is this is a Bronco Sport a sporty version of a Bronco? Not really. It's a completely different vehicle, and uh, it did it did really well. People, I I I was the one who counted the votes, and the votes were overwhelming for the Bronco Sport. People people really liked it a lot. Yeah, I think we also had a Ford Escape, I believe, the plug-in hybrid there for testing, and and everyone just gravitated toward the Bronco Sport. I think it just drives better, particularly just the style in and out. I think yeah. he really did a great job there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And in the compact truck category, uh, a vehicle that I have seen not as many of on the road as I thought I would, maybe that just has to do with production, is the uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz, which I really liked. I thought Hyundai did a really good job. It's based on the Tucson platform. It doesn't feel it, though. It feels like a little bit bigger, wider truck and uh, just did a great job all the way around. Oh, I figured that would be a favorite. As you're a Santa Fe owner, you know, I, I knew that you would probably gravitate to that. Santa Fe, Santa Cruz, you know, they're, <laughs> they're all they're all pretty similar. And then there and then there's the um, and then there's the uh, kind of a favorite pickup truck in the category. Again, didn't win the didn't win the overall category, but it did really well. And that was the Ford F-150. And, um, you know, what can you not say about the F-150? It's, it's been around forever. It's one of the most popular vehicles on the planet. Uh, just it just did a really really good job. Definitely, yeah. And the Lightning is now you know picking up that steam, and we're going to see more coverage of that too. Who knows? That could be an EV of the year next year. We have no idea. I I would not be surprised. Now let's talk about the let's talk about the big winners. Um, the the Grand Wagoneer. Now the Grand Wagoneer is is just a, a phenomenal vehicle. It's a luxury vehicle. We kind of joked when we all saw it together for the first time that we're convinced Jim Morrison, the head of Jeep, built this just so he can mm. so his wife can tow her horses around with it. Um, but it, it's a it's a pretty surprising vehicle, and I mean it certainly has. Similar to like Range Rover, I guess it has what it takes to go off road. If you wanted to do that, it's got what 510 horsepower as one of the engine options. Um, you can tow almost 10,000 pounds with it. Uh, pretty impressive vehicle. Um, what did you think of it when you when you've been in it? I just liked all the screens. There's a screen in the passenger side dash. There's another screen that's hidden in the central cup holder area. And that's a, actually a tray that is also a screen. So there's a lot of trick features in there that not even Mercedes and other luxury brands are doing. So it was, it was pretty wild. It, se it seems like you're drawn to that. You know, the, the Escalade with the, with the screens that are bigger than the TV in my house <laughs> and, uh, it's overwhelming. And, the, and, and the screen in the Grand Wagoneer. And it, it's interesting, the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer, I've seen a few of them on the road now and uh, they're, they're just, they're just pretty phenomenal vehicles. And, and they, they, they certainly have a, a, a major presence when you look at them, you look, you look at the vehicle and you're like, you know, that's, that's a pretty formidable looking vehicle, but yet, all luxury at the same time. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And uh, in the, the overall winner in the pickup truck category was the Ram truck in the 1500 series. Um, a lot going on, everything from you can get it with a 6.2 liter hybrid to a, I mean, a 6.2 liter, what, it's got two mild hybrid versions in it. It's, it's, uh, it's got, it's, you know, supercharged, 
6.2 liter engine is what I meant to say. Plus oh, the hybrid. The yeah, yeah. Plus the hybrid version. Uh, there's a lot going on with this truck, and it kind of goes from really kind of goes from. I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Mild to wild. This is this is a truck that that kind of has um, the ability to offer just about everything to everybody. I think, right? It does. I think Ram just has led the way in terms of interior refinement, even now among the redesigned F-150 right. and the Chevy Silverado and GMC Sierra, just particularly the refinement there on the road as well in terms of steering and handling. On those light duty models, the Ram is just like light years ahead in terms of the yeah. response and the feel it gets. It's so comfortable, you kind of forget you're in a pickup truck. And that before that model came out, it just, uh, it, was, it wasn't possible to drive like that. So that's what keeps to me and most of us here just elevating that because it's one before and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's pretty amazing about it, uh, it kind of it's, it's what you think when you look at different kinds of vehicles. Um, it's a vehicle that could be at home at a construction site, or it's the vehicle that if you went to a fancy restaurant, the valet would leave it out front because Certainly. It, it, it's a, it's a really good looking vehicle. And um, how about the sedan category? The sedan ca category was a, another Genesis, right? Yeah, the, the G70. It's one of my favorites. Uh, one of my best friends owns one. He bought one brand new a few years ago, loves it. And the car now, even with the refresh, is just dynamically just so good for that money, like just over $50,000. You have a fully loaded car and it's yeah. quick. It can get through the winter. It can get through the summer. It's just it's amazing for their first effort in that category and relaunching Genesis, not as a Hyundai, but as its own brand. It's just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. every time I'm in one, I'm just like, I want one. So. Yeah. And it really is. And it really is a car that I think, uh, you know, engineering wise, they, they borrowed a lot of engineering from uh, from their partners. Uh, and that engineering came from what Audi or Porsche or something. There, there's a lot of European engineering in that in that vehicle. And I think it translates through when you get behind the wheel. It does. It does. And I think people recognize the value. And again, like it's not just value for value's sake. It's actually something good that you want, but they're not overcharging you. And I think when people see that, especially when they see the warranty coverage and the and all the included maintenance, it's just a, it's kind of a win-win. So I'm slowly seeing more. There's more and more where I am in Connecticut, whereas a few years ago it was almost nothing. And now people are recognizing that. They really are. Yeah, they, they really are. I was talking to somebody a year or so ago that traded their Maserati for a Genesis. I believe and it. And I said, how come? And they said, nicer interior, <laughs> uh, yeah. better ride, and I can count on it to start every day. <laughs> oh, that's mean to Maserati. A little bit, a little bit, <laughs> but yeah. But it's true. That's that's kind of part of that experience yeah. of owning yeah. a, a just an everyday kind of car. Yeah, it really, it really is. Works. Well, Cliff, I think we pretty much covered just about all the all the vehicles, the winners, the winners. Uh, um, you know, they they won because they did a really good job. And uh, you know, one of those things is you know people come to us and say, you know, why did you choose this vehicle? And it's not me that's choosing it, it's not you that's choosing it, but it's the New England Motor Press Association, and we have a wide range of members all around New England, and they write for various publications. I think it. At last look, we're in, you know, we reach hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, uh, either with the things we write or broadcast or people see on on uh, video. Uh, so it, we really 
we're really able to reach out to people and this is what we do and this is why new england is special and this is why the new england motor press exists to be able to give good honest evaluations of the vehicles we see in our press fleet 100 percent, couldn't say it better cliff thanks for uh, joining us on the great thanks john and i'll see you soon I want to thank Stu Fole from General Motors for informing us about this new safety program they have to try to protect first and second responders who are going out to electric vehicle collisions and some of the things they can do to stay safe. And of course, our buddy Cliff Atia, the vice president of the New England Motor Press Association, for sharing his thoughts on the winners of the New England Motor Press Association Winter Vehicle Awards. Until next time, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you do see an emergency responder by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.